All right. Well, welcome again to Abounding Love Podcast. I'm Dave Nelson. We are continuing on in our study through the book of Acts. We finished up with Acts chapter 6 and 7 on the last podcast. So on this podcast here, we're going to go ahead and take a look at Acts chapter 8. So go ahead and open your Bibles and turn there to Acts chapter 8. We finished up uh, in chapter 7 and we saw how Stephen had uh, just finished giving a tremendous history lesson regarding the facts of the Jewish people and Jesus the Messiah. He had given this lesson to a council in Jerusalem. And uh, for me personally, Acts chapter 7 is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible because it provides a great synopsis of the Old Testament. But what I'd like for us to do um, before beginning here in chapter 8 is just to kind of go back a little bit and start reading in verse 54 of chapter 7. So hopefully you got your Bibles open and you're there and we're going to go ahead and start reading in verse 54 of Acts chapter 7. It says, when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed at him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God and said, Look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears and ran at him with one accord. And they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. So Stephen had just, like I said, given this awesome, awesome testimony of Jesus Christ. And this made them very angry. You see, they had killed the Messiah and their sin was staring them in the face. They just heard a whole lesson on how this was the promised Messiah. It was Jesus and you killed him. But rather than repenting, rather than their hearts just being broken and them turning to the Lord Jesus Christ, they attacked the messenger instead. But what do you suppose it was that made Stephen forgive them for what they were doing to him? Well, I believe the answer was in verse 55 there. He saw Jesus. He looked up and he saw Jesus. And you know, when we look at others who have harmed us, we can only get angry and want revenge. But when we look at Jesus, we see things differently. Jesus was an example of this as well. He looked to God while on the cross and forgave those that crucified him. So as we begin this podcast and as we jump into to, uh, chapter 8 here, maybe uh, think about that in your heart. Think about some unforgiveness or some bitterness that you have toward others and let it go. Just look unto Jesus. He'll move you on. He'll move you in a new direction. If somebody's harmed you, he wants your focus on him. Maybe it's something he's allowed in your life to, to get you back to completely focusing on him. Maybe the busyness of life, maybe even the busyness of 
Christianity or church, or maybe you're doing good things, but maybe that busyness distracted you from where your focus really needs to be. And that's squarely on Jesus Christ. So whatever it is that has happened in your life, if some of you out there, you know, you can think back, maybe even far back into your childhood and say, well, I was offended by this person in this way or that thing. And it's produced a bitterness and an unforgiveness within your heart. The way that forgiveness comes, for even for others that have harmed us, is when we take our eyes off of them and we put our eyes on Jesus and we begin to see what a loving Savior we have. And then his love will then flow through us to, toward others as well. But let's go ahead and press on. Acts chapter 8, verse 1. Now Saul was consenting to his death. Remember, we just read that Saul was the one that they were giving their coats to when they were uh, stoning Stephen. They were giving their clothing to him to hold. They were laying it at his feet to, to take care of it. And it says here that, Paul, that Saul was consenting to his death, consenting to the death of Stephen. And at that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Now, I believe that Acts chapter 8, uh, verse 1 here, is the fulfillment of Acts chapter 1, verse 8. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be, will be his witnesses, right? You can go back and read that. That power comes upon us. We go out to be his witnesses. But it took place here. They went into all the world as a result of persecution. They were scat scattered. You see, persecution sometimes brings about a new work. Sometimes things happen in your life, people harm you, people do wrong things, and, and like we were just talking about, you can look at them and be bitter and, and angry, or you can just move on and press on in the work that God has for you. Turn your eyes off of them. Turn your eyes on to what God has. But sometimes realize that trials and hard times come in your life to, to cause you to grow and to go, to move on into something new. But why did the apostles stick around? It said they accept the apostles there in verse 1. I don't, I don't really know the answer to this, but I find it interesting that when persecution came here, the apostles stayed still. And I say that because remember when Jesus was crucified on the cross, what did they do? They ran and they hid in fear. But now they're not the same people anymore. They have the power of the Holy Spirit. And they can go through these times of persecution. Look at verse 2. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. What a contrast we see in those two verses of good and evil. There were devout men that were lamenting and carrying Stephen to his burial. And then there was Saul making havoc. You see, when good exists, evil is always at work trying to put a stop to it. But we're seeing, we're getting introduced here to a guy named Saul. And this guy is an evil guy. 
He, he has nothing good within him, and he's not doing things that are good. But God always prevails, okay? No matter the situations of our lives, no matter what we go through, God always prevails. No matter what the enemy puts up, what Satan brings into our lives to stop the work that the Lord desires to do in us, God always prevails. Look at verse 4. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Isn't that awesome? You see, could God be using certain circumstances in your life to bring about his will? This persecution came, but what was the result? They scattered everywhere preaching the word. Think about that for your own life. Think about that for things that you go through in life. How's God's will being done in that? Verse 5, Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed, and, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. See, God may use persecution to move you on just to bring joy to others. Are we open to that? Are we open to however God wants to move in our lives? Think about that in your own personal devotion. Does God, are you open to the fact that, hey, you know, you may pray and you may say, hey, Lord, I want your will to be done in my life. But do we kick against it when his will begins to be done in our lives? Because it's not the direction we thought we were going in or we even desire to go in. But God's doing something different in our lives. Verse 9 says, But there was a certain man called Simon who previously practiced sorcery in the city and astonished the people of Samaria, claiming that he was someone great, to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. You see, we must realize that even when Satan has a stronghold over a certain area, the power of the Holy Spirit can still do a mighty work in the hearts of people. You see, these people in this area here that we're reading about right now, these people were heavily impacted by the sorcery of this man, Simon. But there is no power that is greater than the power of the Holy Spirit. Be bold, those of you that are listening to this podcast. You've been born again. You're you're growing in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Be bold. Pray for those in your life that are under stronghold of Satan. Pray, Pray for the people around you. Pray for your unsaved family members. You see, these people were under the influence of sorcery, But when the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus was preached to them, they were changed. That's what takes place when the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus are preached today. Hearts are changed. People are born again. They have a new life. And they turn away from the things they once trusted in. These people of Samaria said that this man, Simon, was the great power of God. But they came to realize that there's no other name given under heaven. It's only Jesus. 
and they turned their hearts toward him. Verse 13, uh, 11 says, And they heeded him because he had astonished them with sorceries for a long time. But, it says, when they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Then Simon himself also believed. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed, seeing the miracles and signs which were done. So this man, Simon, was changed too. But was it a real conversion? Was it something that was real in his heart? Well, let's read on. Verse 14. Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Now, here again, we see an instance where people, uh, after they had received Jesus, were being baptized with the Holy Spirit. Okay? They, had they had been baptized into Jesus, but they had not received the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay, let's, let's look at an example of that. Turn to Acts chapter 19. So go ahead and turn up a few chapters from where we are now to Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19, and we'll begin in verse 1. It says, and it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. And finding some disciples, okay, there's the key, they were disciples, they were believers in Jesus. He said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, in what then were into what then were you baptized? So they said, into John's baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to, to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard these, uh, or excuse me, when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now, remember, in Acts chapter 1, we talked about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a separate baptism. The disciples of Jesus needed this baptism in order to be witnesses for Jesus. Okay? Now, just a little side note there. Now, let's go ahead and flip back to Acts chapter 8. Okay, and I'm just going to uh, read through, uh, starting in verse 15 again. Let's just get back on track here in Acts chapter 8, verse 15. It says, who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit was given, 
he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also, that anyone on whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. You see, Simon, he wanted to be a distributor of the Holy Spirit. He wanted he was in this for money. Okay? Peter said to him in verse 20, Your money perish with you, because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. You have neither part nor portion in this matter, for your heart is not right in the sight of God. You see, Simon gave every outward evidence to being saved. He expressed the belief in the preaching of Philip and was baptized. We can be sure that Philip would not have baptized Simon if he didn't think he really wanted to follow Jesus. Simon also continued with Philip, it says there in in Acts 8.13, and attended meetings of the church. But, But when Peter says, you have neither part nor portion in this matter, where your heart is not right in the sight of the Lord, it's, it's a pretty clear indication that Simon's belief was superficial and his baptism was just a ceremony. You see, it needs to be a matter of the heart. Okay, Verse 22 says, Repent, therefore, of this your, weak, your wickedness, And pray, God, if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are poisoned by bitterness and bound with iniquity. Notice that Peter didn't try and cast out the demon of bitterness and iniquity. Instead, he called Simon to repentance. Often that's missing today when people preach the gospel. It's missing from the pulpits in many churches today, the word repentance. It ruffles too many feathers. It may ruffle your feathers as you listen to this podcast right now. We need to repent. We need to turn from this world and turn to the living God and focus and fix our eyes on Jesus. Okay, Verse 24 says, Then Simon answered and said, Pray to the Lord for me that none of the things which you have spoken may come upon me. Notice he didn't want prayer for his heart to be changed. Just that, just prayer that bad things wouldn't happen to him. It's interesting that Peter saw his heart, though, and the fact that he was poisoned by bitterness and bound with iniquity. What, what was Simon bitter about? We really don't know. You know, he had lost his business recently. He had lost his prestige. Remember, he was the great power of God. Now, all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit has come in the hearts of of believers in Jesus. And they're no longer focusing on man. So maybe Simon wanted to get back into the business for himself. But he was bitter that these guys were changing changing people's lives by the power of the Holy Spirit. We, we really don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us, so that's just speculation. But we do know that he was bitter and bound with iniquity. So today there are people out there that uh, are selling Jesus. 
as a power to get rich. You can turn on many Christian television stations, unfortunately, and, and find people out there selling Jesus. Hey, you know, you, you do things this way and you're going to get rich. And they also say things like, nothing bad would ever happen to you. You're a child of the king and all this stuff and nothing bad's going to happen and there'll be no sickness in your life. There'll be no disease. There'll be none of that. You don't see that as you study the word of God in its context. You don't see that. You can see that if you take scriptures out of context and, and make your own doctrine. But when you study the whole counsel of the word of God, you realize, look at the believers here that we're studying about. They, they suffered persecution. Look at Stephen, stoned to death, okay? Look at look what's happening in the lives of believers of the early church. It's not about us as Christians getting wealthy and healthy here in this life. But we have eternity. We have heaven. We're just strangers. We're just passing through here. Now, of course, we're going to take care of our body. We're going to be as healthy as we can be because our bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit. But it's a temporary temple. The day is coming when this, this body that we now know, we won't have it anymore. We'll have a new body in heaven. So just be careful that your focus doesn't become about this life, about having all that you can and being all that you can be in this life. Our lives, our eyes, our minds, everything about us are to be fixed on Jesus, fixed on him and on the fact that he has given us eternal life. And each and every one of us on the face of this earth today has an appointment with death. And someday that appointed day will come for us. We'll no longer be in these bodies. So we need to be looking for that city whose builder, whose maker is God and not this temporary shell that we now live in. Anyway, pressing on, verse 25. So when they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. I like the fact here that the Holy Spirit points out that this is desert. Would it have been easy for you to pack up and leave a successful situation and go to the desert? Remember, Philip's in an area where good things are happening. People are coming to the Lord. The ministry was great. But now he's being called to go off to some desert. But I think it's awesome that Philip was obedient to this. It says in verse 27, So he arose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a, a eunuch of great authority, under Candace, the, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot. He was reading Isaiah, the prophet. Now, to me, this is where the story of, the, of this Ethiopian man is interesting. He is described here as having great authority, okay? 
keep that in mind because I want to comment on it when we get uh, down a little bit to verse 37. But anyway, let's go on. Then the Spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake this chariot. So who was it that told Philip to go and talk to this man? The Spirit. Peter heard from the Spirit and by faith followed through with it. Remember, we've studied that. But here, Philip, he hears from the Spirit and he follows through with it. How many times have you heard that still small voice within but have ignored it? He says, overtake this chariot, he tells Philip. So it sounds like uh, Philip must be on a horse or something or else he, he can run pretty fast, you know. But so Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. You see, under the power of the Holy Spirit, I believe that God can and will use us to teach and guide others in the scriptures. But I also believe that the Spirit speaks to us individually. Verse 32 and 33 says, the place in the scripture which he read was this. So here's what this Ethiopian was reading. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer, is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who will declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. Wow, it's amazing. This man is reading about Jesus. Read that again. Let's, let's go back and look at verse 32 again. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter. As a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Totally about Jesus, the scripture. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who will declare his generation for his life is taken from the earth? God opened this door, no doubt. The Spirit led Philip to this man at the precise time when he was reading in Isaiah about Jesus. That was Isaiah 53 that he was reading, by the way verses seven through eight. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this, of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture, preached Jesus to him. Witnessing with an open Bible is the ideal way to witness, you know? People are full of questions about the Bible. Last summer, I uh, took a trip over to California to, to minister to a group of youth that were meeting uh, at a house and they had a lot of questions about the Bible and a lot of questions about God. And one of the girls of the group was um, sharing the love of Jesus at her high school and people were beginning to ask questions. So I drove over and uh, made arrangements for this group of high school kids to meet with me at a, at a park in Buena Park, California. And uh, we showed up and I sat there and I had no idea if any of these kids were going to come or show up. But all of a sudden, 
here comes a bunch of kids walking and on their bikes and skateboards, about 20 of them came out and um, sat down with them. And I said, okay, guys, I don't have a Bible study prepared or anything, but what questions do you have? And they started asking questions about the Bible, about God, about the Holy Spirit, about Jesus, all these questions. And we just sit, we just sat there and answered their questions. And, and uh, at the end of it, 16 of them stood up and received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. You know, that's how simplistic it is. People have a desire to know about Jesus, about God. People, everyone has the question, why am I here? How did I get here? What's this life all about? How did those stars and that sun and that moon, did all this just happen? You know, is there a God? And I love to just sit down with people and open the Bible and begin to tell them about the Lord. So as believers out there, be bold. Don't, you know, the Holy Spirit will give you what to say. Tell people of the love of Jesus. It's okay if they have questions. Before I came to Christ, I had questions. Who is God? Why God this? Why not God that? Whatever, you know? But the Bible holds the answers. And Philip found common ground with this Ethiopian man, but took the conversation to be all about Jesus. We must know the word of God ourselves. We must study the word of God. Read 2 Timothy 2.15 in your spare time when you get a chance. We need to study the word of God to show ourselves approved. We need to rightly divide the world. Okay, let's press on. Verse 36. Now, as they went down the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Then Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. The fact that this man had great authority meant absolutely nothing. Philip made sure that before he baptized this man, that this man believed with all of his heart. And he And that's important. It didn't matter this man's prestige. It didn't matter that Philip could have said, uh, hey, you know, we got a a new convert and he's this great wealthy guy from Ethiopia. Hey, he's part of our group now. Let's all get excited about that. No, this man had to come to that same place that anyone and everyone has to come to. The place, the pray, excuse me, the place where they believe with all their heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And it's sad, but within Christianity today, people get all excited over some celebrity that claims faith in Jesus Christ. But in this chapter, we see two conversions. We see Simon the sorcerer and an Ethiopian eunuch. Okay, The devil himself has has the faith that's of the head. You know what I mean? The devil, he, he knows who Jesus is. He knows the truth about Jesus. But he hates the truth in his heart. God wants his truth not only in our heads, but also in our hearts. 
And that's why I said we've seen two conversions. We saw Simon the sorcerer who he just had it in his head. That was it. And he looked for a way to make money off of it. But the Ethiopian, he had it in his heart. Okay, So two different examples here of people coming to salvation. We may intellectually know that Jesus died for the sins of the world, but do we know it in our hearts that he died to cleanse our sins? Has it been made personal? Is it something within side of you that you know? Have you surrendered? And that's why I said repentance is so important. Are you willing to turn from everything, turn from the world and turn to Jesus? That's where true salvation is. Both of those men, Simon the sorcerer and the Ethiopian eunuch, had some sort of power, but only one of them had a right heart. Okay, verse 38. So he commanded, or excuse me, commanded the chariot to stand still. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and he baptized him. Now, when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord caught Philip away so that the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found at Azostus and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. You know, this is strange, perhaps an unprecedented event in Scripture. But a similar thing happened when the disciples' boat came immediately to its destination. In John chapter 6, verse 15 to 21, you can read that yourself. And a similar thing will also happen when the church is caught up together with Jesus in the rapture, which you'll read about in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 15 through 18. But you know, that's, Philip was uh, caught away, it says there. This is now when they came out of the water in verse 39. The Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away so that the eunuch saw him no more. Philip didn't simply walk away. He was caught away. He was taken out of there and was somewhere else. He end up, ended up in Azostus, okay? And passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea, but for other examples of that, you can read John chapter 6, verse 15 through 21, where something just automatically happened like that. And 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 15 through 18. But Philip was used by God, and he was taken out of this man's life. This man's faith was not in Philip. The Holy Spirit was working on this man's heart prior to Philip's arrival. The Holy Spirit was, that's why he was reading Isaiah and wondering, who is this that this Isaiah is talking about? Then the Holy Spirit brings along Peter, or excuse me, Philip. And, uh, and he brings along Philip into this man's life. And Philip witnesses to this man of Jesus Christ, baptizes the man, then Philip's gone. Because now the Holy Spirit will carry the work on in this man's heart. And this Ethiopian man will take the work of the Holy Spirit back to his homeland. This man went away rejoicing in the Lord, it says. Only the Holy Spirit does this kind of work in the hearts of people. It's not a work of man. 
And if man does a work in someone's life and, and that person, you know, as a result of what man has to say or as a result of following man, then that person's bound to, to fail and lose faith and say, I don't believe in this anymore because that man let me down or that woman let me down, that woman of God, that woman of man, they weren't who they said they were. Look how they've fallen. They've, they, they're, they are off into sin themselves. This Christianity is a bunch of junk. I'm not following it. No, that's not where you should be. It's just you and Jesus. It's between you and him. It's the work of the Holy Spirit in your heart. And that's why I tell you on these podcasts, I, I, I said at the beginning of these podcasts, you know, uh, in the introduction, I believe that there's nothing polished about me. You'll probably hear me make all kind of reading mistakes and everything as we go through these studies, but I'm not trying to get you listening to this podcast to focus on me. I'm trying to get you to focus on Jesus. He's your Savior. He's your Lord. Focus on Him. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Turn to the living God. Let the word of God work within your hearts. Let the word of God renew you in the spirit of your minds. Don't base your your faith on man. Don't base your faith on an establishment, an institution, a church out there, a religion. It's Jesus. It's It's just all about Jesus. He loves you. He desires to do a new work within your heart. Turn to him. That's all for this podcast. Thanks again for joining us.